Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast. With a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to to make make your Tuesday just right. I'm Olivia, an entrepreneur, content creator, and a friend to call if you need some encouragement. And I'm Lisa, a mom, an artist, and I'm not your average pastor's wife. Our mission is to bring you episodes every week that will inspire you, help you grow, and bring a smile to your face. Through renowned entrepreneurs and experts, social media personalities, and our super witty and cute banter. This podcast is for the girl who wants to learn about her health, has big dreams and knows that complacency is never an option. She also has time in her schedule for two new BFFs. Because there is one thing we are confident in. It's It's always always better better when salt and pepper come together. Um, Okay, Welcome to the Salt and Pepper podcast. My name is Olivia. My name is Lisa and on today's episode we had Blake from the Confessions of a Crappy Christian. The girl named Blake and I always forget what her last name is because I just know know her as the girl named Blake. Yeah I have no idea what it is. Um but we had had her on in i for some reason i thought it was 2020 but i guess it's already 2023 yeah i think it was like fall of 2021 or something um and such a good episode please it it was such a good episode yeah we talked about a lot of things it's kind of the only time we go a little political because her platform if you guys don't follow her she kind of just talks about everything Mm -hmm. she's pretty political um but she talks very moderate when people think political they think like well what is she gonna be i'm not gonna like her you might not like her. You might You're not like her. You're going to be very mm-hmm. tested. Yeah, which I love. And I even told her on the episode, like, there are certain things I'm still trying to figure out if I agree with or not. But I love, like, she definitely pushes back on things. And mm. I really love that because mm. she really pushes people. Um, but she's obviously a Christ follower. Um, and she just has a different perspective and perspectives and beliefs. Mm. And that's kind of, like, where we're going with the podcast. Yeah. So I love that. Love yeah. that she was able to come back on. We're the non-political version of her. But yeah, yeah but it's, it I always a get a little episode. political on accident. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you it's usually hard. cut it out. <laughs> I do sometimes. More recently, I haven't. Mostly because mm. it's like, I don't really view it as political. Mm. I view it as more of like morality. So I if we're that. talking about like voting on some bill, right. I don't give a crap. But if we're talking about things that are very clearly biblical or more moral and ethical. Uh, sorry, Lisa, it was taking a selfie. Don't take a photo Be of real. me. Oh, great. <laughs> That's probably a great one. Thank you. I could have posed at least. Um, then, yeah, I think I, I touched. Moral- yeah, yeah because it is about morality. We just make it political. Mm-hmm. So, um, But anyway, before all that, what's your current obsession? Um, I am a Korean personal shopper. Okay. I uh, was reached out to by one of my friends, and he was like, hey, I'm dropping like 90 a week on a Korean soup it is so good I haven't been able to find the ingredients I have looked everywhere can you help me find it and I'm like I'm your girl You're like this is my dream and I was like first of all I am very honored that you would seek me out um also because there's not many Koreans in the valley unfortunately but I found all of the ingredients for him and um my Korean really came in handy wow yeah where did you find these like you found them at at the asian store at at the place that he looks but i think because um i was like looking at the recipes it can be called one thing but it's actually another thing Mm. more commonly used and so like using my korean not even like understanding but like i know how to read korean at least yeah i was able to find everything that's good or at least tell him where to find it Yeah. yeah 
Yeah. It's funny. I'm looking in my list and I put Pantone in here and I kept forgetting to tell you oh. the color of the year. Viva Magenta, mm. everyone. Like when are I we I wonder if it's that, in my color palette. I want to figure out my color palette. Oh, that stupid trend going. Yeah. Around. I think <laughs> I am. I've got to be a winter, right? You, I think never, you know. never know. I know I'm not the. You're not warm. My skin tone is warm. I'm but if you're winter, warm, it would be cool. Then I don't know what I am. I'm, yeah, exactly. I know I'm fair would, warm because I was getting cool for a while because I thought that's what well, it was. Well, purples it look so good bad. on you, so that would make sense. Certain purples, like um, oh. any earth tones, look good on me. But like a like a purple purple. So you could be a spring. Maybe we'll do it after this. Okay. Okay. Um, how do you choose? Does it just go by? Do you just look at it and go, "That looks like me." I I can't figure it out, so don't ask me. Okay. I've tried. I actually got an app, so maybe we can do okay. it after this. Okay. Um, my current obsession is pinstripes. Ah. I'm really liking them. I almost got trousers. Yeah, so I've been looking at pinstripes. I got a little scared of like getting circus vibes, but I or do. Or stripe pajamas. Well, that's what I think first of, of all, like, let's time. not ever talk so about that sorry. movie ever. <laughs> um, no, because it's like navy blue and usually very fine stripes. So it's not as like big mm-hmm. stripes. But, you know, there's a there is a line. Yeah. But I'm really liking them. I think they're they're kind of in right now. I think just like a pinstripe trouser feels very powerful mm, to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very 1950s menswear. But I love that. I love that. I love that. Wait, if I could think of anything. Because when you said 1950s women, I was like, Ugh. Also 1920s Menswear. women. Dude. Because 19- that's when they introduced like women's like pantsuits and it would be like pinstripe. I love and- it. If the 20s didn't suck, that's the era. Yeah. Yeah. If you were, were in rich. the 20s. <laughs> hey, Mama, yeah. Welcome to the 20s. Okay. So my silver lining. Let's get down to the silver lining of the week. Zav's gone. I feel like this happens a lot. Yeah. Um, he is on his uh yearly annual snowboarding trip. How old is he gonna be? He wow, his birthday's next week in exactly a week. He's gonna be thirty-five. That's Oldie. a big birthday. He's a 35. big boy. Um, yeah, he's gonna be thirty-five. Um, this is his birthday trip. He comes back with like goodies for me. Because I sacrificed a lot. That's cute. <laughs> um, so like it's really weird. Huh? He brings back yeah, snow Yeah, he just brings back you. water yeah. in a bottle. Nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, but the silver lining is it's so sweet, like, to just be with the boys and, like, not be on, like, it makes me realize that I'm kind of on time constraints when he's here. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, oh, if I just want to go to the store at 4.30, I don't have to think about him being home around 5 15 so mm-hmm. i can just like leave whenever i want and so you're just gonna be a single come mom? back and you're good it is not <laughs> anything close to being a single mom but him leaving really freaks me out because i'm like wait we need to get you life insurance because i'm like if you freaking die on oh, the lift or snowboarding life or, insurance i know even do you guys have a will not an official will not like do that. notarized i have a written out one but it's yeah i think not. it has to be notarized or it doesn't hold up mm. we're dealing with all of this right now with like family oh. stuff yeah and like your kiddos I need to do it do you have like all that 
something were to happen to you guys? No, we know we even like need to talk to the people that we would want to take our kids if Surprise. we died. That's the weird thing. Like, when do we bring it up? Like, when do we talk I to know. them? Like, hey, can we come over and talk to you about probably some, you know, so just as insurance because yeah, they, will, they we would should. go to next in kin family. But you guys have such a big family. So you guys should be really specific about what you we want. are. Yeah, we That's know what good. we would do. And we just want to yeah. make sure they're willing. <laughs> I've had the, the joy of both of my parents going, hey, just so you know, you're my power of attorney. I'm like all right good to know i was like can't wait to pull the plug on you i always threaten them with that because my mom wants to pull the plug my dad doesn't i'm like you know what dad i'm just gonna hold out for you to get to heaven if you keep going on about stuff it's like so depressing but you have to make light out of it you know yeah totally um so my silver lining is uh i had like two of them so i think so i've been having like a lot of problems sleeping it's been so bad the past week like I can't sleep and so I think my I I don't even know if there's a silver lining but like I think I need to get help (laughs) for sleeping because I am so on edge I have so much anxiety I think what it is and this sounds so embarrassing to say out loud but like I think I'm scared of the dark which sounds like very little kiddish, but I know it's a thing. And like right when the sun goes down, I literally have so much anxiety what? doing anything. How yeah. long has this been going on for? For my whole life. Oh, okay. Yeah. But how has it gotten so bad? It just kind of ebbs and flows. I'll see things. So like, I don't know if you saw the thing about the guy in Grant's Pass who was like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. TikTok, not even the news. Yeah, TikTok. For reference, there was this guy who was torturing girls from an app and like I will see stuff. For one second, can't sleep the whole night thinking someone's going to come into my house. Well, you're afraid of like being alone and hate it. You're the strong person in the house. Yeah. If I'm alone, I'm just like L starts barking in the night. I'm like, somebody's in the house. I'm about to die. Like, is my door locked? Like, I'm so fearful and I pray all the time. And my mom's Mm -hmm. like, you need to pray more. I'm like, I pray the whole time. But But I know, yeah, God will protect you. But stuff happens. So yeah. what do you do? I'm like, yeah, Lord, protect also, us. Like, what's his- but that person just died from a home invasion. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just get really in my head and, you know, anyway. So, yeah, I'm just like trying to figure out what I need to do to know why I'm feeling the way because nothing's ever happened mm-hmm. to me. So I don't know why I'm having that weird. Do you need to go response. on um, a psilocybin? an ayahuasca trip so you can figure out what's in your soul maybe it's so funny how that's always the answer now ayahuasca is terrifying well this is okay this is actually interesting to talk about for one second because of our episode today Mm -hmm. so it kind of goes into it shrooms have always been very interesting to me and i've been very open about that as a christian um doing some sort of like trip in that way is very intriguing to me so that's interesting because I I didn't touch on this in the episode of specifically say psilocybin, but with my very bad depression, mm-hmm. Zav thought that I was going to ask him if I can do a psilocybin trip. Yeah. Um, and he was like, I was like ready to ha- like have to be open to have this discussion <laughs> because if that's what you needed, like I was suicidal. Yeah. And so he was like, if that's what you needed, I would actually have to deeply think about that mm-hmm. and like consider it. Yeah. And I was like, you being able to be considerate, because that's not even what I was going to say. It was like something so like surface level, something else. Um, uh, I was like, that 
like means a lot to me because yeah. if that's something that I did feel like I considered actually microdosing psilocybin mm-hmm. uh, rather than weed. Um, but then I ended up not needing to be on antidepressants mm-hmm. anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, the studies they've done with psilocybin and people with extreme like war PTSD, like what it's doing for people, it's literally healing people and it's very controversial. And I do not think drugs should, I have never done drugs. I don't drink alcohol. I don't, I do not think they should be done lightly um, or for no. recreation. Right. Um, and I'm not saying I would ever go Medical and use. do a shroom trip, but it is very interesting to mm-hmm. me. And I really like learning about it. Um, I think more studies so. should be allowed to be done. Dude, there are people who are extreme addicts and they have to go out of the country to be able to microdose to help them detox mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing right but anyway what so, a good episode this just reminds yeah. me of how good the episode yeah, this was. was a great episode it's such a gift to have these open conversations like we try to talk about what a shaker is and shakers are open to having discussions and having an opinion um and like figuring out why you believe the things that you believe in Mm -hmm. and not just being like willy-nilly I believe this because I've been told this all my life yeah um so that's why having Blake on really like relieves me yeah no totally I think that she's very open she will teach you guys a lot she's taught us a lot and she's very wise so make sure and go follow her podcast the crappy christian podcast she's amazing guests on um and yeah, I think that's it. So let's get into the show. So let's shake it up with the girl named Blake. Great. Yeah, I mean, we're just so excited to have you back on and talk about, I mean, well, I mean, there's like so many things, but you know, we've kind of transitioned into being more Christian and obviously you have been a major, like a key player in that transition of like, who do we look up to? So that's been, yeah, that's been really cool to just be like, no, like there are people doing it because it is really hard to find people in, in our space that aren't like, let's do a Bible study together. And then let's just like talk about sex. Like where's the in-between in podcasts? And we've been trying to find that in-between. And I feel like you were one of those people. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's this really niche middle area of, um, I feel like it's um, people who are okay with having an opinion and speaking it out and um, rubbing both worldly culture, secular culture, and Christian culture the wrong way, but also like Jesus did that. And so people like will come at us we see that with you all the time. We're always watching your stuff. Um, huge fans. And <laughs> it it gives us a lot of like, oh, okay, we can do that. It's okay. Yeah, like it's, it's good okay. for people. It's actually good for people not to like us. Right. So 100%. that's what that's what we've been when navigating. You realize that though, like when you figure that out, it's so freeing mm-hmm. because then you're like, no, this is what I believe. And it's not that I'm not, I don't need to be a dick about it. Like, I don't need to tell you how wrong you are and then right. like you're da da da. But like, no, we disagree. Opinions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm right, but opinions. <laughs> but I think that that's a part of it too. Like, 
I think you're wrong. Right. Yeah. But I still love you. Totally. Which yeah. Is, I feel like that's kind of how we've always tried to be. But then we just started to realize like we're not fitting in in like the worldly space because we're too Christian, but we're not Christian enough to fit into this weird Christian bubble. So we're like, we just like need to settle in. And I think last week she asked me something. She's like, hey, is it okay if I post this? And it was like not even controversial. And I'm like, at this point, I don't care. Like it doesn't matter to me because the minute we started talking about more Christian things, like we started getting negative comments, but I knew that that was right. It almost felt good. Yeah. I was like, finally, like at least someone's reacting to what we're saying. And like, yeah, you get called judgmental, like immediately, but it's like, Mm -hmm. well, Hey, like, let's talk about it. Like, why don't you listen to our podcast and like, let's hear each other out, you know? Right. Well, and then it is a really interesting place to be when you're getting it from both sides. Yes. When you're getting it from culture and from the world and also from the church because you're not Christian enough for them. You don't fall in line enough. Mm-hmm. And, it can, and I mean, it can genuinely, it can be really exhausting because you're taking it from both sides. But I really think that's how it's like, if everybody agrees with you, there's no way you're being honest about what you believe. You know what? I wonder if this kind of trickles down from popular Christian churches even who tread so lightly to be liked by everyone and to welcome everyone Mm -hmm. to an extreme extent to where like Christians aren't even growing in the church anymore and Christians are becoming too okay with being in the culture being in being Mm -hmm. like a part of the world but not being set apart from it like being in the world but not set apart Mm -hmm. and so um I think that's like one one thing that I've been encouraged of like being in church and having friends who are believers who are also saying like you can have a different opinion and that's okay and we can disagree but like as long as Jesus is in the middle of it because Jesus wasn't liked by both Pharisees and non-believers, then you actually know that you're doing something correctly. <laughs> yeah, I think you've landed in the right spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it definitely is interesting because, which obviously you see this all the time, but you see the craziest things being talked about and being almost glorified. Lately, I've seen so much, you know, about open marriages or just like things where you're like, you like you guys know this is inherently wrong like you know this because it doesn't work like look at statistics like actually look at your life like it's been two months and you guys are divorced it's like of course you are like what are you talking about and it's this idea of we talk about this a lot like the your truth movement it's like oh Mm -hmm. you're totally fine to talk about whatever you want on your podcast and like let's make a really cool like sizzle reel of it to like get people talking on Instagram without understanding that that's so damaging and there's not a lot of people talking against that like hey just so you guys know like you are incorrect about this and you have kids and this is wrong and like we need to talk about why this is wrong um and it's, uh, yeah, it's just wild. It's wild that we're in that place where that is what's being, you know, like that's what's popular. Well, and it's such an interesting thing to navigate, right? Because you don't, you don't want to actually be judgmental, right. right? I think we throw that term around really easily. The world throws that around. They're very comfortable just slapping a judgmental, you know, super Christian label on things and then therefore discounting it and being like, oh, like your opinion doesn't matter. But then you see the other side who are actually being judgmental jerks and nobody <laughs> wants anything to do with that. Right. And Jesus didn't change people's lives by telling them how wrong they were 
He changed people's lives by loving them well and showing them a better way. Uh By showing them that, like, this is not what I have for you. This is not what's best for you. There is better. And, like, I think when you can make that connection between the law and the commandments and the directives on our lives from Scripture are all there because they're what's best for us. Like they're all there because what is best for human nature and the creator knows is best is a man and a woman married, committed to one another in covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That is the best. That is the ultimate design for, you know, romantic relationship. Anything outside of that, anything outside of that is not his best for us. And so I think the approach that I try to take is it's kind of like that neither do I judge you go and sin no more, mm-hmm. right? I'm not interested in I'll tell you if you're wrong if you're if I feel like I'm led to. I'll say like no, that's that ain't it. You <laughs> you missed the mark. Yeah. But I want to do so with the intention of pointing the people to the truth and mm-hmm. to what is right. And so I think it is we really it's this middle land yeah. that you're trying to live in and you're going to get it wrong and you're going to like slip into one and slip into the other and you're going to mess it up and you're going to have to apologize. But I love it because of like the tension and the hard questions and like wildly fascinating conversations that get to be had. Mm -hmm. I want to actually touch on, I didn't think I would go this route, but touching on marriage, this is something I've been thinking about so much. I'm on my, going on my eighth year of being married and um, only knowing him for eight and a half. (laughs) And um, kind of one of those things where culture will say, like, if it's too difficult, then it's not right. If it feels Mm. wrong, then it's not right. Mm. Where as far as marriage, I mean, Paul told us not to get married because it's better for us because it's so difficult. And we're called to marriage because it's so difficult to be with another person in this world who is obviously not perfect who has their own opinions but it's wild because we're being told by the world just go ahead and get a divorce like why not have an open relationship so um is this like ever something that you you talk about on your podcast or um on your instagram as far as like um i don't know like not divorce happy, not like trigger happy for divorce um, and being okay with like being in a really difficult marriage. I think the longer that I've been married and the more older friends that I get who have been married a long time, I can just see how difficult marriage is and how much of a toll it actually can take on you, but how it's mm-hmm. not a wrong thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there are shades of gray to that conversation because there are difficult, hard things that I think are grounds for divorce. Right. And I think that the church has done a disservice in glossing over some of those things and being like, you always have to stay together forever. It's a covenant. And so as with anything that you do in extremes, people are going to reject that. And Christianity is extreme. I'm not trying to say that it's not. It is all in. It is exclusive and inclusive all at the same time. But it comes back to like, are you following what the word of God says? And the word of God like gives reason for divorce. And sometimes I think the church discounts that, which lands us in a position where we're having to like jockey to defend how we believe about scripture when it's pretty, it is pretty clear. It's like, yeah, it's going to be rough. Like you said, Paul's like, it's better to just stay single unless you can't keep it in your pants. You know what I mean? (laughs) So like, but 
also, I want to have the, the heart set or the mindset that we are better for the kingdom together, that we do like work together and further the kingdom more than we would individually. Um, I talk here and there. It's very, it's so personal that I haven't gone like a super deep dive on it. But when my husband and I hit the seven year mark, we've been married 10 years we almost got divorced. Like we were almost like we were there. We stood at our kitchen table and was like, I think I'm going to get an apartment because I don't want to live with you anymore. Like, I don't like you. Like this is, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm miserable. We had two small kids. He was working like crazy. And I was just, I was miserable. And there was, there wasn't grounds for divorce at that point. Like there wasn't outside of, I wasn't happy anymore. And we weren't neither of us were really like fulfilling our marital like covenant roles but thankfully that that exact conversation of like I think I'm gonna get an apartment was a wake-up call for both of us to be like uh no that's not what I want that's not what God has for us that's not what God has for our families and then we did like we fought for it and we went to counseling um and I don't look back on us hitting that moment and I'm like oh my gosh we should have never even uttered the word. No, I think it, it served, like I said, as a wake up call and it was a necessary conversation, but I do. I mean, I think that no fault divorce was the beginning of the end for our country yeah. because once you take the nuclear family out, which is God's design, things just start to fall apart. So it, it it's like this gray area of like, I don't want to say you always have to stick it out through the hard things. Although I know women who have, like I have a very dear friend who is very open about her 15 year now marriage to a habitually relapsing drug addict. Whoa. So hard. Yeah. That's crazy. And he has like taken all their money and left them without electricity and she's stayed with him. And it's an incredible testimony. I think where we have to be careful is like, I don't want to act like that's everybody's story. Right? Yeah. It's cool that the Lord has so much grace on us and gives us the decision. Like you can stay, but you can leave. Like there are times where you can leave and yeah. that's really encouraging. And people think it's like, oh, just if they cheat, like <laughs> adultery isn't the one and only thing. Um, right. So that's really no. great clarification. Um, my neighbor. <laughs> she's probably like what the frick are you doing <laughs> she listens come on yeah she's a listener um thank you so much for sharing that I think that you just sharing that small snippet of you just saying the divorce word will clear up and release a lot of shame on a lot of people hearing that and I agree that communicating true feelings not just like digging deep and maybe you just would have fled one day year 10 mm -hmm. rather than saying like I actually think we should get a divorce at this point like I don't like you um yeah I really feel that because me and my husband he's a pastor and people can think like pastors lives are so fine when really in reality I think it's the total opposite because of the enemy and spiritual warfare and I have told him multiple times like you need to buck up like don't put the church before me don't put yeah. others before me and if you continue to do this like we will separate i will separate from you in like a prayerful way which is very biblical um mm -hmm. but like 
hey, I think it's always good to communicate when you're feeling that way and doing it immediately. And this is such a real thing in marriage. And some people just think like, okay, we'll just be individuals living in one roof when really like keep having sex, keep communicating with each other, keep dating. Um, But also remember like it's not all about like this modern day love but a biblical love serving each other loving is so much more than a feeling and I know that so much more now than I did when we first started dating well and so I started doing these new segments on my podcast called the speakeasy where we just kind of talk about more like culturally relevant things and this week's episode when we're recording is about like LGBTQ and should they be able to get married and all of that kind of stuff and aside from that, I make this point in the episode that I think we like almost are at a point where we need a new word for Christian marriage. I use the word covenant in the episode because a covenant is between you and your husband or you and your wife and God. That is a covenant. Marriage is between two people in the state. It is not a real, it is no longer a religious practice. And I don't know, like you know, you can get into all the semantics of civil union and covenant and marriage and all of that kind of stuff. But I think what it really comes down to is a view and a, and a intention. This is a covenant that I made with my husband in front of God and with God. It is the three of us. How like willy nilly am I willing to be with that? Versus just looking at something as a piece of paper and some federal tax benefits. It's a totally different situation set up set of intentions and like you were making the point earlier of you know being in the world but not of it and I think our marriages should look different and a lot of the time they don't mm-hmm. oh my gosh wow I so I'm a wedding videographer and so I've <sighs> seen it all and it's it's very interesting coming at it from a perspective of like this is my business but also I'm a Christian and you can tell the difference between Jesus centered ones and I would say I would say 90% of weddings pose as Christian so it's the love is patient love is kind that's in every single one they can read the bible verse yes they will read the bible verse they will say God gave me to you in the right time all these things which I'm not discount like they're beautiful it's great I'm you know I am their vendor for the day like what they do is fine and then there's like maybe five percent of like oh, I actually feel like the Holy Spirit here today because I can tell you guys are making a covenant. I can tell you guys have saved yourself for marriage. You're not living together. In your vows, you don't say, you know, we bought a house because we were so in love before we got married, but then talk about God. Like there is a lot, which, you know, I have to be careful because this is my business, but it is one of those things where it's very interesting where the weddings I've been to with Jesus there, it's like I'm almost not even focused on on filming I'm like wanting to worship with them because I can tell the difference and I think that's just so it actually like you were saying it is a covenant and you know I've been with my boyfriend for 10 years and that's a whole other set of thing and like the Christian community people have a lot of issues with that and lots of opinions a lot lots of opinions and um you know and when I think of getting married to him it's like I've been to every I've been to so many weddings what I want with you is what you were saying it's like I want a covenant I want there to be like a very clear 
Like this is yeah. what we're moving into now. Um, and a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people know that they're going to go into it with maybe an out or, you know, a divorce yeah. on the table. And that's really it's it's more just really sad to me that they don't see that it could be so much more than that. Right. Well, and how many people get married for the wedding? Oh, my gosh. 85%. For the, ring, for the wedding, for the wedding dress, for the experience. And then they get for divorced the a year later. Yeah. There's literally right? a thing called, uh, I think it's like bridal depression. And it's right when you get back from the honeymoon and you realize you have nothing more to plan. Oh, my gosh. Everything that's when is I was, over. I was so happy. I would be like, oh I'm God, so, so relieved. On my wedding day, yeah. I was like, can we get out of here? Like, I'm so done. Can we just be married? Yeah. I'm so done with all of these Well, and people. they've all spent, you know, 30 grand on their wedding. <laughs> yeah. And they right. really realize they well, have that hangover wanna, right like I don't want to be judgmental of women who like love their wedding no it's, it's adorable that's that not the yeah. same thing it's like cute. No, you can but I think when you're when that's like all it is and it. I've had if that's have, all it is if that's all it is like if you if you go bridezilla I think maybe your intentions have gotten a little out of whack I think your focus has gotten a little off and I like I realize that that's a that's a ballsy statement to make but I think that I love what you were saying. Like you, it's palpable. Like, you know, you know, when you're at a wedding and these people are just so in love with each other, so excited to start running on mission together versus like, this is about putting on a show. Right. Mm -hmm. You can put on a show and love Jesus. But, oh, like, but have most a party, people, you know, you can, you can tell when they're there like for each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, definitely. And you can tell when they're not. Yeah, you definitely, yeah. you definitely. And they're can. there for the party. <laughs> and yeah, and like a wedding is awesome. You know, I've thought about like let's just get eloped. It's been so long, and then I think it's been ten years. Like let's get everyone together and celebrate this. You know, so there's two sides to it. But like you were saying, I mean, yeah. it's definitely a heart posture. But I think that it's that way with literally everything. Okay. Yeah, you just have to have that different perspective. I I I can't remember what exactly the percentage was but I remember seeing a study of um most um people our age getting married um I I want to say it was 50 percent 50 percent of people getting married now expect that they will eventually get divorced and find someone new and they get married knowing that and being okay that eventually they're not going to be in love anymore. I've seen and that so in podcast groups like hey I'm going into a, a, my wedding I know it might not be my only one and that is so oh crazy right and so that's what I mean like no one's working hard anymore no. like no one yeah. is saying um I, there's so much to staying with your spouse and it's not just yeah. like you know like people say like do it for the kids it's not just for the kids but it will show your kids something it'll show them Jesus like sticking with Jesus through the difficulty like Jesus is going to call us on really difficult missions in life he's going to call us to do very difficult things you stick with it like he might call you into a place where you're going to be persecuted you stick to it Right. Um, but he helps you through the whole thing and being in a relationship and through difficulty will show you Jesus. Yeah. And I do. I, I think that the hope is that the difficult, this is what, let me start over. That was really squirrely. When Jeremy and I decided, Jeremy's my husband, when we decided to, you know, we're staying together, we're doing the thing. What our hope was, was that we're going to face hard stuff. Our hope is that it's exterior and not interior. 
Like I want us to be on the same team and, and going through that really difficult season where we did almost split up. I'm so thankful for it because he is my best friend, like best friend, favorite human on the planet. He's starting a new job and I'm so bummed out about it. Cause we've had the last eight months together to just be in each other's faces all the time. Like I do think that that is God's intention for marriage. And sometimes the difficulty interior brings you to that point so that when you, you are going to inevitably face hard things down the future, in the future, the hope is that you face them together versus the the conflict being between the two of you. That's really good. That's <clears throat> the interior versus exterior. Like I really love right. that distinction um, because I've seen that a lot in my relationship. I mean, we've been through so much, like we've been through cancer and like no money working jobs, like wanting to not be together. And like, we're not going to the same bed at the end of the night. It's like, we have this option to not speak. Um, but I tell people all the time now that I'm a little bit older and I see younger people in relationships I'm like go through the hard times like fighting is not bad as long as it's like healthy fighting like talk about stuff go through something to where you don't even know if you can do this anymore but you choose that person because when you get yep. married you pretty much if you're a Christian you you pretty much have to choose them so like when you're dating yeah. somebody wake up and choose them every day and try not to like find all these outs unless of course the relationship you know needs to end or whatever but if you're right. choosing that person it's like you know like people will still ask me like do you guys think you'll get married I'm like who else do you think I'm gonna marry like I've been with this person right. for 10 years you know so yeah. yeah going through hard things I think is so important but like you said trying to still be a team through it all yeah. So um, in the past, I guess, a couple of years since we've talked to you, I mean, you've always been very open about your faith and everything. But I think obviously like the political climate and just the world, it just keeps, you know, changing and everything. And I really love I always send your videos to my boyfriend and he's always like, dang, she's awesome. <laughs> like she's, you know, B.A. Because, you know, something for us that we talk about all the time is like a standing up for what you believe in, even if it's hard and even if people are going to persecute you. But I would say that's like that is so hard for 99 percent of people. So for people listening, I would love to know, like, did you always have that mentality like growing up? Was it just like, I don't care what people think or have you grown thick skin along the way? Like how have you gotten to this spot where you're like, literally, I don't care about what you think. (laughs) I think what it comes down to is identity, which is such a huge multifaceted conversation. It's impossible to get it into just a podcast episode. But, um, when I stopped finding my identity in, anything but Christ was when it became easy to show up and share my beliefs because you can't, you cannot threaten me. You cannot change what I think about myself. You cannot make me think less of myself when it is rooted in the firm foundation of Christ. When I am more concerned about what God already said about me and says that I am worth then also, and, and also my beliefs align with what scripture says, like, what are you going to like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know? And you know, yeah, I take a lot of heat and look, it does get to me sometimes a hundred percent. Like we were talking earlier about 
being in the middle means you take heat from the believers that, you know, you're not Christian enough and you're also not worldly enough. And so you're taking it from both sides and you have to be a robot. I'm convinced you have to be a robot to, for that to never get to you. But I think it's less, I think I, maybe I do have thick skin, but I just think I have a, a, a firm foundation. And that's not anything that I did. It was what was like given to me, right? You were given life in Christ. You were, you were set on this firm foundation. And it's, I think a lot of believers don't make the cognizant decision to stay there. And it's really easy to find your identity in other things and, and in other good things. Like if your identity is in being a mom, when you have a bad mom day, everything's going to come crumbling down versus like your identity being in Christ. Then when you show up and you share these unpopular things. And I also think there's a huge lack of people knowing why they believe what they believe. Like, I think a lot of people believe the party line and then they, they don't, they're not willing to skirt outside of the party line, whichever party, the party of Christianity, the party of Republicans, the party of liberals, like whatever, there's this acceptable set of beliefs. And so you just, we accept them and we take them on and we believe them, but why? Why do I believe marriage is between a man and a woman? Like, why do I believe that? Well, that that requires like digging into scripture and figuring out why you believe what you believe, because this is God's original design for his kids. And so I think it's a combination of the two. I think with age, like I'm 34, I'm not that old, but I'm also not a 21 year old new believer anymore. I think with age, you, you have to get to a point where your identity is in Christ or you get so tired of being whiplashed all over the place by having your identity in other things. And like, I know what I believe and I know why I believe it and I can back it up. Like I can tell you what I believe and then I'm not going to be like most of the time, I'm not saying I'm unstumpable, but if I'm going to come to the, like, I'm going to step up to the plate and be like, all right, let's talk about this. I'm going to know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to theologically or politically or culturally be able to back it up. And so I think those two things kind of work together and give you, yeah, like thick skin, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that with you. You are very educated in what you're talking about, which a lot of people that will go, you would think that would be like a baseline for humans, <laughs> <You'd hope. laughs> um, but it's definitely not. And you've even encouraged me because I remember, I don't know if you, I'm sure you know, Andrew Tate, like the whole thing with yeah. him. And I didn't really know who he was, but I just knew that there were things he did that rubbed me the wrong way. But I'm like, if I want to argue with this other dude who's trying to argue with me I need to go listen to his podcast and even though it was like nails on a chalkboard listening to this person speak I'm like okay but now I feel more prepared and that's in the same way that when you talk about even like political stuff or theology it's like hey you got to know what you're talking it can't be just about feeling you can have some feeling because empathy is good but like you have to have empathy and logic you can't just have one or the other or it just doesn't work well and I think you touched on something that's massively lacking in people in general is an ability to listen to people we disagree with. That is the greatest learning tool you can give people other than scripture. Listen to people you disagree with because the hope is that all it does is like shore up what you believe. Like I'm sure when you listened to Andrew Tate, you were like, oh my gosh, this guy is a raging narcissist. Uh And like the, you know, 
epitomization of misogyny mm-hmm. but you knew like it's incredibly difficult to argue against something when you don't know what you're arguing against well and there were certain things i went eh. oh he's not i don't hate that yeah or like yeah, well like, he's he's not, he's not wrong. wrong i'm like yeah. you're a jerk but like you're right. not really wrong about what you're saying you know right yeah yeah 100 percent. and you it's so much easier to get like blindsided or stumped or get stuck and not be able to like have fruitful conversation with people if you're not willing to listen to people that you disagree with. And I say that as someone who up until like two years ago lived in an echo chamber because it just listening to people that I disagreed with, like I was not healed enough. I wasn't mature enough. I was not, I like wasn't there. And I don't think that that's even necessarily a bad thing. I think that that is the journey, but to even have that on your radar of I want to be able to like listen to some people that I disagree with and like read their books and listen to their podcasts and follow them on social media. Like it's, it's a really cool experience because it forces you to understand why you believe what you believe. That's what I was just going to say. It's a true testing of your faith. Like, do you really have, and I think, um, even you saying like, maybe it was important for you to like be in that echo chamber for a little bit. Cause it's almost like building up, like, building up the foundation that you need in order to combat. So kind of like when you first become a believer, the Lord isn't like, all right, so now we're going to take the most extreme, like non-Christian people who hate Jesus and bring them straight to you. It's like, no, let's first find community. Let's get you a mentor. Let's be discipled. Like, you know, people in Old Testament would follow their rabbi for the rest of their life, essentially. Right. And like, we need to be remembered that the foundation, like when you were talking about identity, I just kept thinking of foundation and thinking of um, the, the uh, not proverb, but the um, thingy about um, <laughs> the different foundations and like throwing yeah. seed to the rocks, throwing seed to the soil. Um, yes. <clears throat> and so just remembering like, will you really test will you really stand the test of time and everything culture is going to throw at you? Are you really going to settle into Jesus? And in time, you're going to have to compare things like, okay, culture is saying this. So what does Jesus say? And people can start to say, oh, culture says this. Okay. That sounds a little bit like Jesus. Let's just keep going that Mm. way. And they forget about scripture. They forget about comparing, taking everything back to scripture. And so having a firm foundation, that's why it's so important. And it's good to have like, um, not an echo chamber, but to have community of people who also test culture and look at culture and are a part of culture and say, hey, you guys also see this. Let's come back together and let's all see together because then you'll make sure that all of you aren't going to be stumbling and all of you aren't going to be pulled apart, pulled towards culture as well. So I think I think that's um, and I think that knowing your identity and having a firm foundation that has made me like, <clears throat> I feel like knowing our identity as far as the podcast is concerned, like, okay, we're a Christian podcast. Once we put that um, stamp Marker. on it, yeah, I was like, okay, so anything other than that doesn't matter. And as far as that's concerned, like any hate that we get, we know what our calling is and we know what our purpose is. So we just have to continue in that. Yeah. So Absolutely. I would love to talk to you about your 
also your vulner- vulnerability. I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. I know we've seen that a lot in your recent posts about pharmaceuticals and using marijuana and all of these different things that can be very hot button topics. But I think it's very cool. I mean, even the one reel you posted where you got a little bit emotional, I think there's a lot of power in that um, because that can be very, very difficult to do, um, especially I'm kind of gauging from you. I mean, I don't know if you cry a lot. I don't really I don't know if I get that vibe <laughs> from you. So to post a reel, I was like, I think that would be kind of like me posting a reel of me crying and that would be like really difficult. Um, but I, there is a lot of power in that. I know a lot of people will gain a lot of wisdom from that, but I know people have a really hard time being vulnerable. Um, so how did you get to that spot? I guess even of posting that reel, like, you know, what has happened for you to be able to get to that place? That's a really good question. I'm not okay. So I'm on Prozac, so I don't cry a lot. (laughs) Um, so I think that I, sometimes I think maybe I'm more, I would be, I've been on some kind of SSRI since I was 17. Um, cause I've had pretty severe mental health issues since I was about seven or eight. So I don't really know life, not on SSRI. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe I am a crier. Hopefully we'll find out one day. Cause that's the journey that I am on. Um, vulnerability in the online space is such an interesting conversation because you can curate it. Like you can curate and create vulnerability. And I don't necessarily think that that is a bad thing. But I think that it is, I do think that it can set a unfair standard. Um, For example, yesterday was like a not great mental health day for me. And it would have been so easy to put some things up on my story and make it seem like it was a perfectly fine day. And it's this fine line, right? Between what do I have, not an obligation to share, but like what, what standard do I want to hold myself to self to of authenticity? And like, what is really should just be personal because there uh-huh. are, we all know people yeah. who are putting too much on the <laughs> internet and you're like, reel it in. Okay. Like, yeah. This is too much. So it's, it's constantly trying to discern like between those two lines. And I don't want to lie. Like, I don't want to get on my stories when I'm not having a good day and act like everything is fine, but I also don't want to trauma dump on the internet. Right. So it's kind of that in between. And honestly, I really think it comes down to discernment and what is my intention with posting this. You are not going to find me posting something emotional and vulnerable for pity. Like almost every time I post something like that, I'm like, I don't want your pity. I also don't want your recommendations. I'm fine. But this feels like an opportunity for solidarity, or this feels like an opportunity to let people feel seen and known and represented in the online space with this difficult thing or with this vulnerability. So the reel that I posted, this is like fun behind the scenes information that I didn't probably never thought I'd tell anybody, (laughs) but, um, we were just talking about me having thick skin, but that episode, so I put out an episode on my podcast about that. I have gotten off of five different pharmaceuticals by supplementing and microdosing with cannabis. Um, and the internet went nuts and like people just lost their minds about it. And so many people were so kind and so compassionate. And even if they didn't get it or they had always seen cannabis in a really taboo sense, they were like, you're making me think more like Mm -hmm. this is, and then people were awful. Oh, I bet. Awful, awful, Mm -hmm. awful, 
awful. And it was all Christians. Like it was only Christians being terrible. And it got to me because it was like a different kind of like ripped out vulnerability. I'm talking about my freaking like mental health and my medications and doing something that has by and large been considered taboo by the church. And so I lost it that morning, <laughs> like lost it and was just like crying out to God. And was like, why are you, I could literally remember being like, why are your people so mean? Like, why are your kids so mean? You know, and I, if I had come out swinging and been like, ah, I'm a pothead and I smoke weed all the time. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's some cause for concern right. there, you yeah. know, but it, it was a very like responsible conversation. I prayed over it for weeks and I knew that there was going to be backlash, but I still was like unprepared for it. And so in that moment, I had to like use discernment. Do I, do I need to take this to the internet? Or do I need to keep this for myself? And in that moment, it was like, first of all, I do think that there is power in letting people see that their words matter and that you're just like, I'm just a human. I'm just a human being trying to do this online thing well. And your words make an impact. They do make an impact. No matter how thick your skin is, like people's words make an impact. But also I had seen the behind the scenes of all the DMs from people coming in saying, oh my gosh, like I do the same and I struggle with being judged and shame and guilt. And I wanted to like show up for those people and be like, hey, even if people can't handle it, like even if people are gonna discount your mental health, like God doesn't and like you're not alone. And so I think, like I said, I think it comes down to intention and discernment. And it is an incredibly difficult line to walk between curated vulnerability and real vulnerability. But I, I do, I think it's a, a line worth walking. Totally. That, yeah, I mean, the fact that you're even talking about pharmaceuticals, antidepressants, all the things, which I am not educated enough to even speak on all these things. But um, I'm curious why you are moving away from that and trying to move into more like natural things, even just from a health perspective. That's like very interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, so... <clears throat> I got on my first SSRI when I was seven, 18, 17. Um, I tell the story in the episode, but I can, I can give it in pretty cliff note versions at this point. So I've been an insomniac and had raging anxiety since I was a kid. Like I started throwing up from panic attacks when I was like eight and started not sleeping through the night, not long after. And so uh, <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school, eighth grade, I started dating this guy and he introduced me to pot for the first time. And while everybody around me, like in this house were like vegging out and like being really dumb, I felt like a human for the first time. I was like, I can like, my brain got quiet and I could focus and I could like, I was just like, this is everything. I want to feel like this for the rest of my life. And so, and I say in the episode, like I probably did get addicted to feeling that way, but I did, I, what it, I, like, it wasn't even then at 15, I wasn't like this little, like I was a straight A student and an excellent ballet dancer. And I was a volunteer, like I volunteered, like I truly didn't fit the stereotype. And a few of my friends didn't either. Like we would all literally smoke before school. And then like go to our gifted and talented like AP English classes. And so became a Christian, went to college, became a Christian message from the church is like, weed is bad, obviously. So I quit cold Turkey was like, well, all right. I don't want anything to do with that. Six, three months later, six months later, I'm at the, the student medical center 
on the verge of suicidal and they put me on an SSRI and it literally wasn't until like three years ago that I looked back on that experience and was like, I traded something that grew out of the ground for something that is produced in a lab and the side effects are horrific. Like, well, Butrin has a black box warning. It is, that is the highest warning that the FDA puts on anything. Okay. And we are shilling it out like it is freaking candy to kids. And so the very natural progression of someone's experience like that is you get on an SSRI and then you need something for sleep. So you add Lunesta because you're not sleeping and the SSRI isn't helping you sleep. And then like, you're kind of a little bit too like toned down. So we need something to bump things up again. So let's add like Vyvanse or Adderall because you need something to help you focus. And then like the SSRI is making you retain weight because that's one of the natural side effects. Oh, that's probably just your insulin. Let's put you on um, metformin. And that'll help, you'll lose the weight. The metformin will help you lose the weight. And the next thing you know, you're taking six freaking pills every morning and you feel like crap and you're a shell of yourself. And this is the way the world has told you to do this. And not only that, it is acceptable in the church. Yeah, Christians are telling you that's what you're supposed to do. Nobody had a problem. I was very open about my pharmaceutical use. Very open. I tried to get off, look, (laughs) y'all, I tried to get off of one not supplementing with with cannabis three years ago I legit almost died like it I it was one of the darkest periods of my life so that that happening that season where I mean I was literally bedridden from trying to get off of a medication served as a huge waking up moment for me and I was like okay I don't want to live like this Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're Sorry, good. it's my cat. <laughs> oh, okay. The most serious stuff. conversation ever, and we're like, I'm like, no, just making sure he's not going to do anything um, weird. But so I just, I just realized, like, I don't want to live like this. I had no sex drive. I hated food, but I was still fat. Like, it was just horrible. And so I did my own like personal deep dive. You know, the big sticking point people is being sober minded, and how can you? like use cannabis and be sober-minded. Aren't you sinning? All this kind of stuff. And I had to kind of be like, okay, let's define sober-minded. Let's define sober-minded. What is sober-minded? And why is there a command in scripture for us to be sober-minded? My, what scripture tells us is that it is to protect us from a very real enemy that is like prowling to devour. And so that our, our witness is effective for the glory of God. And I can tell you without hesitation that I am more sober-minded off of all of those pharmaceuticals, microdosing cannabis every day. I took, I take like two milligrams in the morning. Do I seem high? Like, am I like a, I'm not a character out of dazed and confused. Mm -hmm. It is a medicine that was given to us by God that has been used for literally all of time, but because the government and, you know, America demonized it in like the thirties, the church got on board with that. And then you end up being, the, the church is just incredibly hypocritical about the subject. Because if you were okay with me being on Prozac, you need to be okay with me like 
supplementing with cannabis is where I landed on it. Totally. I would be so curious. That was a really long story. No, <laughs> I'm so happy you um, shared that. I'm really curious how many of the people who crapped on you for microdosing cannabis are okay with drinking. Seriously. Because how mm-hmm. is that different? And, it's not. And it, it's not. I'm usually the one. Actually, it is. <laughs> I will actually say it is different in that there are no positive benefits from drinking. Alcohol is like poison. True. It is so true. Bad for she doesn't you. drink. Like, I've like never she knows had alcohol. alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't drink I, at all. And, I don't drink at all anymore. And side note, not to tangent, more and more I've been because I listen to a lot of health podcasts. Literally, people that have no moral compass at all are just like, alcohol is poison. It is yeah. killing you. It's changing your brain pathways. And I'm like, yeah, but no other drugs are legal. Not to get political, but it's like, that's legal, but these things and are it's, illegal. It's, it doesn't make sense. Like, come on, let's be honest. I know so many Christians who are okay with getting drunk. And so many. they are this. They're the same people up. who would be very upset about microdose. microdosing. I don't even think that people even truly understand what microdosing does. I forgot that I even microdosed. Do you even remember this? Um, so postpartum, um, I get really bad insomnia, mm-hmm. and oh, I I'm, I'm already um, on SSRIs because I I get suicidal. I um, yeah, just, just seize want to cease to exist, and yep. um, it's very difficult for me to take care of my kids. Uh, breastfeeding is like traumatizing for me. Long list of things on top of that, I can't sleep. And Mm -hmm. it goes on for months. um, And my brother-in-law was like, you know what? I have edibles. If you cut them in fourths and you have one, you take it every night before bed. I bet you anything, your circadian rhythm will be back to normal within a week. After five days, I didn't even have to take it anymore. And I was completely normal. And I wasn't high. I wasn't out of myself. And it wasn't even like, um, oh, I'm so sleepy. I was actually taking half of my mom's sleeping pills because, yeah, she has like really intense insomnia. And I felt so awful in the morning and throughout the the day. like, and, And I would have really weird dreams. I hated it. Taking mm-hmm. a fourth of an edible, which is already what, like five milligrams. Right. It was like feeling like a normal person again. It's exactly what you said. Like, oh, this is how people sleep. And also <laughs> um, going through really. Um, so like this last year was my first time not postpartum, but having severe depression. And I was like, I I would probably do anything to be better and I had been on SSRIs and um if if I wasn't desperate and I already knew like an SSRI was like gonna do its thing I would probably be trying to microdose with natural substances to see what works knowing that I would be sober-minded and that I would be just as functioning as probably more functioning than I was about to say, alcohol if not better like well definitely better than alcohol but like I people get real uncomfortable because I like to compare cannabis and coffee mm. okay because coffee is a stimulant it is a psychoactive drug it is just socially acceptable right it impacts your brain it impacts the way that you function it impacts 
the way that you comparing do things. Cannabis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to like start and stop my camera, camera. every 30 minutes because it times out. It's so dumb. No, it's all good. Um, so people will be like, are you really comparing ca- coffee to cannabis? And I'm like, well, if you want to talk about it in like logistical terms, it's in the same drug class. It's just legal. So I can tell you that if I were to drink a cup of coffee, I would probably be in some form of psychosis because the chemistry of my body is so overabundant in adrenaline and cortisol and so low in dopamine and serotonin that I lose my mind on caffeine. So you're not going to find me out here like everybody should use cannabis. It'll make the world better. Just like I don't think everybody needs to drink coffee because we are a body that is individual body parts. We are not all made the same. We are not all little good soldier carbon copy robots. Like this, what works for me doesn't work for you. And what works for you doesn't work for me. And we can still believe the same fundamental truth. And that can be unchanging. And we can also acknowledge that we both are different people. What's so wild is I stopped drinking coffee and I tell people I've never used cocaine, but that is how I think cocaine would feel like. I go, I, I, I can't, (laughs) I, I'm (laughs) insane. I'm all over the place and I'm, I'm talking 20 miles an hour. Like my brain is so much faster then, or my body is going so much faster than my brain, especially with ADHD. I'm, I'm just not a good functioning person. Which is person. likely why your body responds well to cannabis. Probably. That's, that's so true. Um, and, and with that, it made me a really angry person and oh, I was yeah. so bad to my kids. And so like, even just going back to the conversation of like, culture says things are okay We're not going to say the Bible is just deeming all of these okay or not okay. But like, why don't you actually like think about everything that culture, even doctors, everything that they're telling you is okay. Professionals, why don't you take it to the Bible? Yeah. Right. It's crazy not to go on and on, but I have so many thoughts right now (laughs) because one, I've never struggled with anxiety. And last year I, we were on our way back from vacation and I literally was like, I can't breathe. Like I need you to pull over the car. It was like the weirdest experience ever. I was having heart palpitations, everything. A lot of it was like kind of PTSD for my boyfriend's cancer stuff, but a lot of it was caffeine. And the doctor Mm -hmm. was like, just (laughs) don't, just don't have caffeine. And then I just switched to decaf and I'm like, I'm just I'm such in a in a state where I'm like if I feel like I need it like when I hear people go like I need my coffee I'm like you need to change your lifestyle because you don't need How your is coffee that okay? it's right. not How is that okay yeah like there are entire Christian ministries centered uh-huh. around coffee yeah I know it's, I need it's my insane. coffee and Jesus. In the morning, give me coffee and Jesus. Like, why? How about you go outside and you get sun exposure because God literally gave that to us and it's literally the same effect. How about you go go into cold water? That gives you the same, that gives you insane some matter. Like, I think the cat, like, no, ca- I drink, I drink coffee. You, yeah. Fine. That's yeah. great. But, like, reserve your judgment. Right. I'm yeah. Simply that's exactly asking what people it is. to be consistent. Right? Yeah. I'm asking people to be consistent and we are not a very consistent people. No. Like, just, if you, you are not sober minded when you drink caffeine, you will never convince me otherwise. No. You can look at the brain scans. It changes your brain. Totally. So 
I mean, people pop Advil all the time and then they get upset when somebody is doing something more natural. So, I mean, this conversation has insight, like it's really made me think. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. And I'm still working out how I feel about a lot of things. But I know for a fact, like if you think it's okay to take antidepressants, you have to be okay with taking cannabis. Like you cannot. Yeah, there's there's nothing more. And I've, you know, I've had multiple conversations just this week because of stuff you've posted. And I think it's good to be talking about this stuff so for everyone listening like start thinking about things that you don't want to think about because yeah true you ask, know ask questions yeah ask questions yeah um silver lining silver lining yeah I, I feel like we could talk to you yeah, for forever. I know we could go forever <laughs> so um something good that came out of a tough or difficult season can you think of anything can like? you think of anything <laughs> anything? anything I mean yeah y'all you'll have to yeah. choose <laughs> Yeah. Right. So last May, my, I retired my husband from his like full-time corporate job that he'd been in for 20 years. And it was like the capital G goal. And we were so excited and it's the hardest thing I've ever done because I have never, we got married when I was 21. So I have never been the sole provider. I have never been the primary source of income. I've never been the breadwinner. Um, and that has been a point of contention in our marriage that he worked as much as he did, that he worked as hard as he did. Um, and by like muddling through the last eight months of being the primary source of income and the crushing like weight of that and pressure of that and responsibility of that, it has changed my marriage so radically because I have so much more understanding and compassion and empathy. Like the last, last year was really hard. It was really beautiful and there was so much good, but on a personal level, it was really hard. Lots of therapy, (laughs) lots of crying, lots of panic attacks, but I I'm thankful to kind of be getting to the other side of it a little bit and being able to see what it gave me, what it gave my marriage. Like my husband has so much more empathy for being a stay-at-home mom now too, because he was like a stay-at-home dad, you know? And so while I look at 2022 and I'm like, woof, like (laughs) that was rough. I'm so thankful for it because it changed so many of our dynamics for the better that like look more like Mm -hmm. Christ. That's so good. so cool. Well, tell our audience where they can listen to you and find you when you're not banned on Instagram tell, yeah. tell, tell them where they <laughs> right. can f- try to search you <laughs> right uh, my website is the girl named Blake.com that's kind of like a hub for everything but confessions of a crappy Christian two episodes a week on Mondays and Wednesdays and then I'm mostly on Instagram just the girl named that, Blake thank you so much for yeah, doing this again this was you. so fun love having you on thanks for having yes. me this was awesome well shakers thank you so much for listening to today's show We had so much fun having Blake on again for the second time. Like we mentioned, you can scroll on back and listen to our first episode with Blake. Um, That's a little bit more introductory. We get to know her a little bit more and about her platform. And then, you know, today's episode definitely went in all these different places that we didn't expect. So we hope you guys liked it and it got you thinking. If you did like this episode, go on, subscribe, rate, and review, you know? It helps us so much. Tell us maybe what your favorite episode is. Tell us why you like the episode you listened to. It really helps us with feedback. Or you can just share it 
on your stories on Instagram and then make sure and tag us so we'll see it we'll make sure and we slide into your DMs and we know that Blake would love it if you followed her too her content will get you thinking it's spicy and she always tells the truth and how she feels which we love that over here at the Salt and Pepper Podcast so thank you so much for listening and if you haven't yet you can follow us at Olivia Corrin and at Lisa Brosser and you can also follow us at the Salt and Pepper Podcast and then you can head on over to TikTok where we are posting all of our content in video form and that is the Salt and Pepper Pod and I think that's everything so we will shake it up with you guys next Tuesday.